Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect with the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Michael Beckerman. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Cretech Climate Cast, where I talk to leaders who are helping to decarbonize the built world. Guest today is one of my favorites, somebody I've been fortunate to get to know extremely well at Cretech. In my book, one of the most respected, active, approachable, engaged investors in our entire real estate tech ecosystem, Travis Connors, co-founder and general partner of Building Ventures. Thrilled to talk to Travis, who's been investing in some incredible climate tech startups and a lot more on his views on the industry and and the future. Travis, good to see you. Thanks for uh, spending some time with me today on the podcast. No, I really appreciate the the opportunity to to talk today, Michael. And as always, uh, a much too generous introduction, but uh, nonetheless, one that I'll take. Well, let's uh, introduce the audience, the few people who might not know uh, Building Ventures. You know, when I think of Building Ventures, the audience will will come to understand what I'm talking about when they hear you talk, because you're very modest, understated. The firm is not very aggressive in telling its story. It lets its portfolio and its accomplishments speak for itself. But introduce the audience to Building Ventures. And a lot of us always thought of you as very, very active, obviously, in the built world buildings, construction, uh, know about Honest Buildings and a couple of the other great ones you've invested in. But also tell us about the sustainability of the climate tech practice as well. So why tell us a little about the firm and uh, some of the, the uh, strategies today? Sure. So the origin story for Building Ventures really starts in 2006, which is when I met my co-investor, Jesse Devitt. We did a, a company together in early stage, what would now be called a smart cities company called Invista back then. Jesse had been investing in the AEC and design engineering space as a, a venture person for about six years at that point. Previously, he was an operator in the space. I was a generalist VC, early stage software. And that opened my eyes to just how backwards the world of construction and real estate were in their uh, harnessing of innovation and technology. And the idea there was to try and coordinate the work that happened in the roadway between municipalities and utilities to deliver, frankly, a better experience for the people who lived in those uh, areas. 2008 hit. Company ran into a really difficult time. We lost the CEO. It was very challenged. Jess and I really kind of stepped in to figure out what to do with the business, ultimately split it into a couple of pieces, sold it off. It forged for the two of us a way that we think about practicing early stage venture capital. It also kicked off what was a 10-year discussion of when are these industries going to lean into the opportunity that's in front of them to really transform the way that they they operate. About 2015, a, a couple things were coming to the fore that really were the impetus for us to create the firm. And it was one, the acknowledgement that we're going to have two and a half billion people planet over the next 30 years. We're going to have to double the world's infrastructure, which meant creating two and a half trillion square feet of space. Autodesk was one of our investors said that that was going to require building 13,000 buildings a day. And when you looked at the footprint in the US, you say we have five and a half million commercial buildings, half of which are over 40 years old. So it was perfect storm of need in 
how do we build better and faster? But at the same time, really challenging industries, construction and, and real estate and operating differently. And then SoftBank came along and funded Katera and WeWork kind of simultaneously and woke everybody up all at once to, oh my gosh, there might be a different delivery model out there. And so we went out and we started talking to people in the industry to really understand, were they ready? And out of that building ventures was born. We harnessed uh, a whole bunch of LPs from across architecture, engineering, construction, and real estate to back the first fund. We're now on our second fund. And the idea is really on how do we optimize the whole life cycle of the built environment, the way we design it, the way we build it, the way we operate it, ultimately how we experience it. So we're a little bit different from other prop tech firms in that we're, we're not interested in the transactional side of the business, not because you can't build good things there, but iBuying and brokerage tools and lease management just doesn't fundamentally speak to this need that we see of how do we deliver a better built world for everybody, which is tagline and really the, the mission of the firm. And so the initial sort of focus has been on the AEC side, right? But you've also been very active on the climate side. So talk about sort of the premise of how you're approaching climate today, similar to the way you just did on the AEC side. So, you know, we, we really think about the, the built environment as a system. And as a result of that, we need to think about how we optimize that life cycle of how we design, build, operate, experience. Climate is a really important, critical component through all of that. Because fundamentally, what's been missing is this feedback mechanism to know, are we actually improving every time that we do things? And so with this mission that we have of, are we delivering a better built world? We look at what are the components and try and backcast what a better built world looks like and then what has to happen in order to deliver that. Right? So if you had asked me 10 years ago as venture capitalists, would I ever make an investment in the HVAC space? I would have said that's crazy. Well, yeah. that's not a, that's 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 not a, a venture domain. But then when you when you look at the components you see air conditioning today is about 20% of all the electricity consumption in buildings. You've got uh, projections from the uh, IAE that say that uh, we're going to consume, we're going to grow our consumers of air conditioning by three and a half, four times over the next 30 years. It's the equivalent of 10 air conditioners being sold every second for the next 30 years. So we're going to have to deal with this because, you know, we spend 90% of our time indoors. And so that led us first to an investment uh, called 75F, yes, which no, uses wow. machine which uses machine learning to optimize delivery of the air conditioning based on the systems that are there. And you say, all right, well, that's, there's huge savings to be had. And there's a, a comfort level and enjoyment factor, better indoor air quality to be delivered. But as we started to peel back that onion, we then discovered a company called Enverid, which uses a technology to actually scrub pollutants and CO2 out of the air with their HVAC load reduction system. And this actually means you can consume less recirculation of air into the building. So instead of refreshing the air 12 times a day, maybe you can do it two or three times a day, which hugely cuts down on it. And then that led us to an investment in a company called AeroSeal because we discovered that 15 to 30% of air we condition gets lost in transmission along this ductwork. And so we're finding a better sealing technology, all of which means that we're delivering a better experience for the humans who occupy the space while dramatically reducing the you know, energy footprint of the, the building at the same time. None of those were what's good for the climate. They were all what's good for the building operation and the people inside it. And do they fit through this lens of will that deliver a better experience for everyone in a better built world? And I, I've also talked to uh, Kathy at Dandelion for the podcast and Matt from Measurable, which I know are other investments uh, in the building ventures portfolio. So, you know, one of the things that I've always been fascinated by with uh, you and your colleagues is it's sort of like in venture you hear that you know oftentimes it's a spray and pray model where you just you know 
nine out of 10 are going to fail. And, and you just, you make as many bets as you possibly can knowing that. Right. And I don't mean to imply that that's the entire market, uh, uh, venture world, but you know, you're the picks and the bets that building ventures has made to date. They just seem like they're really good companies. And I've, I've followed them along the way and they keep going and they keep growing. What is it that you're looking for? If I got a startup, and I want to pitch building ventures on my climate tech solution. What's important to you that you're looking for to make an investment? So we have, like everybody else, some ideas and theses around how the, the, the world unfolds. But the real secret is it's about the people that you invest in, right? And so we are trying, we're lucky to have this network of partners who come from the industry. Every day they're seeing offerings from new companies. We have a whole team dedicated to trying to have the widest aperture possible to be sifting through what does the innovation landscape look like. But really what we're looking for are those really exceptional individuals who are so dedicated to solving the problem that they're targeting, that they're just going to be successful, right? They're the kinds of people who can will the future forward. I mean, you talk about, you mentioned Kathy and at Dandelion. So when we first met Kathy and, and James, the founders there, they had been working on how do we build kinetic nets that we can set up onto mountains to capture the energy of avalanches. Like just outlandish, crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally on this problem of we need to find new sources of energy, right? And when they when they cracked open all of the work that had been done in the past in geothermal and how can we cost reduce that to make it approachable and make it consumable so that it was a better thing to do and really, it's, it's a business model innovation, a better thing to do than buy fuel oil or propane or, or even natural gas in some cases. You mentioned Matt at Measurable. Matt uh, was a young broker at CBRE in SoCal who recognized that lead buildings were generating a premium, thought that sustainability was going to become important to people, quit his very you know good job to grind for five years before he raised venture money. Yeah, because he knew it was going to be inevitable that this was going to be really important to real estate owners, right? And uh, I think this this will air after it, so I I can break the news that will already be broken by then. But you know, they just closed <laughs> on a monster. They just closed on a monster Series C round yeah. last week. Yeah, um, and they have easily become the de facto standard for how do you do performance measurement for real estate assets. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Well, on the flip side, though, uh, I know you were an early investor with Riggs and Honest Buildings and Great Exit, great company, sold to Procore and scaling, scaling that platform. That was a long journey, right? It's it's tough to get scale in the built world. So, do you have you know concern about how long it's going to take to get scale in the climate tech world, or is there a way that you think some of the bets that you're making, the te- the, the companies you're investing in, will get scale? What gives you the confidence that you'll be able to get some scale here? Yeah, there, there, there's there's a couple things. To that one you mentioned that you know we, we've we've been doing this for quite a while, this early stage investing thing. And so from the from the get-go, our expectation is it's going to take companies eight to 10 years to kind of get to the scale that we need to generate the kind of returns that our investors are looking for. And so when you go into it with that mindset, then it really does reframe the problem of what is the here and now problems that we've got going on. When we look at the macro theses that we believe in, this idea that construction has to become more like a manufacturing process that we call constructing, that space wants to be consumed as a service, that real estate owners are going to have to operate their buildings like businesses. We think those are inevitable trends. And so again, it comes back to that. How do we find entrepreneurs who, because their business model innovation can make it the reason that people should operate this way? I think that the awareness is growing very rapidly that we need to do this. I think that for a lot of times, 
all this green initiatives and climate friendly and sustainability were nice to have right. marketing type initiatives. We're just beginning to see some verifiable data that a more sustainable building can have a premium. And so that's maybe why thoughtful owners would lean into that in the past. My, my strong belief is that if you are not leaning into it today, if you are not trying to deliver a better product that way, you're going to impair your assets. Mm-hmm. And I think that incentive, the downside incentive is a, a major shift that we have yet to really get recognized, mm-hmm. but is, is coming because I think consumer demand and choice has changed. You know, uh, the case is measurable when we saw firms like Amazon and Salesforce demand not just is there a plaque on the building that says that it's right. lead, but how does it actually perform? And we want to know that because we want to have our people. When I think about, you know, I talked to some end customers today who would really like to put CO2 level service levels into their leases. You know, how many owners can deliver on a, a guarantee of 600 parts per million of CO2 max? Mm. If they needed to, what would the impact be? And I think that if that's the kind of thing that ends up in leases for high-end customers, then you're going to have a redefinition of what's class A, what's class B. You could destroy an awful lot of value really fast, right? And so those are the kind of incentives that the market needs to be looking at and saying, how do I get ahead of all of this? Because that's the end user occupant of space is the one that's going to put the demands on them. Yeah. And that's what I'm realizing, right? And that's why I'm starting to really think more about the end user at Cretech and Climate. We've got to get to the end user to demand these types of investments in the facilities that they want to build, operate, whether it's, you know, multifamily or office or flex or what have you. That because I what I what I stress about is how do we get the built world to make this the priority. And so what you're saying is what I think is the answer is it's going to come from the customer. I think it's going to come from the customer. And I think it's going to be driven by the fact that we think that one of the big changes, one of the ultimate demands from the customer for the same profile is flexibility, right? And if we see lease terms reduce in duration because of that demand for, for flexibility, now all of a sudden, how do you retain those customers is going to be delivering a much better service level. And if they right. can skip to some other place... Right. Because they're a better product is being delivered. That's going to be the forcing function. Right, right, right. And then, you know, obviously in our audience, we've got a lot of startups, a lot of tech companies that are going to want to, you know, reach you and get their solution in front of you and the, and the team to evaluate. What, what are you looking at that's got really the team excited about in the next couple of years on the horizon in terms of tech categories as it relates to climate? Yeah. I mean, one, this is one of the things that I love about investing in this space is we're not reliant on kind of crazy breakthroughs in quantum computing or AI or wafer deposition. It's really the application of technologies that have been around for a long time being packaged and distributed in a way that can be consumed by finding the right kind of customers. And so you won't hear us talk too much about the underlying technologies. We talk an awful lot about innovation. It's easy to get excited about whizzy tech, but you know, on a very simplistic basis, you saw early in COVID a whole bunch of deployment of, of dedicated sensors around occupancy, right. right? And because owners wanted to know how if their buildings were being used. Well, it turns out there's all kinds of passive ways to collect this information from the Wi-Fi network that you've already got if you were just collecting the data in the right way. But the important thing is, then, what do you do with that data? You know, one of the really dis- disappointing things to learn was how much we were spending heating and cooling buildings that were empty. Not right. because we couldn't have the ability to control it and not because we didn't have the data that the buildings were empty, but because we didn't, we didn't design lease terms that allowed for that to occur. So very rarely am I taken by 3D LIDAR reality capture is going to be the next right. hot thing. It's going to be the, it's going to be the entrepreneur who comes to us and says, 
when we have this data set, we're going to be able to enable much more real-time on-demand delivery. So, you know, I look at in the, in the real estate space, kind of two things converging at once. It's what's been adopted in mission critical buildings like data centers and hospitals. What's being adopted in hospitality where they have to worry about retaining a customer every day? And how do those two things converge? Because whatever is demanded in those spaces is eventually going to land in every other asset class. Right. You know, you think about a data center, you know, Facebook will spend any amount of money to know what day that they get to turn that data center on. And living in a world where, you know, every project is over budget and over time doesn't make sense. But if you could track on a daily basis against the BIM model where it actually was, for them, that makes a lot of sense. It might be ridiculously expensive to do for a single family home today, but all these technologies, you know, run down a cost curve and thanks to Moore's Law and others. And right, right, right. We'll be, we'll, we'll be convertible tomorrow. Great. And then just two other questions I had for you, Travis. One was, you know, we also have at Cretech, we attract a lot of young entrepreneurs who are first time founders entering the space, entering the real estate industry, the AC sector for the first time as well. What advice would you give to a sort of a young entrepreneur? It doesn't have to be young, just a first time entrepreneur entering this space. Cause you've been around so many successful entrepreneurs within your portfolio. What, what were some of the takeaways that you saw from them and see from them that, that have made them successful in this industry? I think the first thing, and it's really what we look for, are, and I mentioned before, it's people who are deeply in love with the problem they're trying to solve, not the solution they're trying to create. There's much too much of, I built this widget, what can I use this widget for? How do I get someone to buy this widget? It's how important is this problem or how big is this opportunity that I know that if I could deliver to a company and then iterate and iterate and iterate on that as much as possible. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll mention Matt Ellis again. Yep. You know, there was, there was, many versions of measurable for the sure. measurable that it is today because he was just relentless at evangelizing that no i promise you you're going to care about the performance of this asset right. um and so i think that's that's one and and it also speaks to a quality that we look for our folks that are what we call relentlessly resourceful mm. you know you just know when you meet them that they're going to get it done right it might take them too long it might take too much money they'll figure they it out not, they're, they're, they're going to figure it out I, I think the biggest value that we bring uh, in many ways as venture folks having done this for a long time is we just have a bigger portfolio of mistakes than others. We can't yeah. tell you how to be successful. We can just try and help you from repeating some of the mistakes that others have made trying to do similar things. I think what's amazing about the real estate space is there's so much opportunity. You know, this is an industry that looks like financial services did 20 years ago. Yep. And as real estate companies and construction companies, architecture companies, all we think about themselves is how, how do we become tech-enabled versions of ourselves? Right. Uh, there's an awful lot of problems to be solved in doing that. Yeah, yeah. And I also love, we didn't, we didn't get a chance to really unpack it, but I love the network effect that you've built at Building Ventures. I mean, people can go on the website and look at it. I mean, all the companies that you're surrounding your portfolio with, it's, it's quite impressive. And I think that's another way in which these startups can scale effectively is, you know, pick a partner like a Building Ventures that has a built-in network to help you get to market and scale and iterate. It is just about that. And the more that you can iterate with the customer interaction and the end user interaction, the faster you're going to get to, to the, the ultimate solution that's a winner. Yeah, yeah. So finally, my friend, I asked everybody on the podcast that the, the last question is, you know, given what's at stake in climate and we're seeing climate change impact every location in the world practically today, and unfortunately, I think only going to get worse, given how 
big the real estate industry is and how slow it is to adopt to technology. And given that it's taken so long for the industry to pay attention to climate, right? We're just getting around to this now. How are we going to get the biggest contributor to carbon emissions, 40% this built world, to adopt these technologies in such a way that makes a meaningful impact and we hit those net zero targets? I mean, how are we going to do it? And are you hopeful we're going to do it? So I'm, I'm super hopeful we're going to do it, right? Okay. It's not just about the, the, the 40% greenhouse gas. We have this internal debate all the time. Is it the 40% problem or is it the 40% opportunity? And depending on which day it is, the title of the slide might be different, right? Because the, the problem is it's 40% of greenhouse gases. Building and buildings are 40% of the energy consumption. It's 40% of our landfill waste and it's 40% of our raw material usage, right? It just consumes too much measured against that macro thing of we have to double the world's infrastructure. So this is the kind of problem that has to get solved. You know, when you make me think of that uh, famous Winston Churchill quote about, you know, Americans always do the right thing after they've tried everything else. Um, <laughs> and, and, and we've tried a lot of everything else in, in our industry uh, and, and been in denial for a long time. And there were too many people who cheered when, you know, we, we worked fell apart or Katera fell apart. All right, now we don't have to, we don't have to innovate. Right. Um, but we are going to prioritize how we deliver buildings. We're going to do it in a way where we pay attention to the embodied carbon that is inside them. We're going to operate them more effectively and efficiently because customers are going to want it. Regulators are going to demand it. I mean, we've, you know, I've, I've been a student of innovation and how this driven markets for the past 25 years. And there's kind of four things that can create massive change. It can be that a new technology is, is brought to the bear. There could be widespread adoption of a platform that enables new business models to happen. Certainly regulation is a great forcing function. But the really the most powerful one is, is the belief system. Mm-hmm. And that when people believe that they need to do something differently, they, they suddenly will. When we were out trying to raise the first fund and we were talking to all these firms, there was certainly a split between the people who said, yeah, 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 the industry is under a lot of pressure. and Hopefully I'll retire and be done with it before uh, I have to do anything. But then we we talked to all these sort of multi-generational firms who said, no, I'm the third, I'm the fourth, I'm the fifth generation owner of this real estate empire, of this construction company. I'm a steward of this business for my family. I want to do the right thing yeah. for the generations who are coming along. And you talk to those people, they said, they're, they're the ones who are hungry for feed us how we're going to get this opportunity. And then you've got McKinsey out there doing research that says there's a $250 billion profit opportunity for those firms that lean into to using tech to improve their margins. It's for their own selfish interest. And as I said, on the real estate side, I think there's going to be a real penalty to be paid if they're not paying yeah. attention to what end customers are going to want. You know, COVID taught us all the question, what do I need this space for? Yeah. Uh, I really like the way that um, Google framed it when it said, we want you to work from wherever you're best for you to work and be most productive. So that's incumbent upon providers of space to make it the best space for whatever the use case is. So I see this, you've got all these technologies, some of them have been around for a long time, aero, steel, dandelion, or geothermal. They're now being harnessed in new ways that uh, just require some, some really driven, thoughtful people. And the more money that piles into the space only encourages more entrepreneurs to start more businesses. Right, right, right. Well, Travis Connors, co-founder, general partner, Building Ventures. My friend, thank you for your inspiration, your passion, your commitment, and your money. <laughs> investing in the space because it's, again, I've said this so many times, it's obvious without venture and without intelligent venture and investment, none of this is going is to be possible because those entrepreneurs need somebody like you and your team to believe in them, their dreams, their aspirations. And that's how we're going to tackle this uh, with your support and your peers. So thank you for your time, my friend, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's making a big, big impact in the marketplace. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity and really appreciate all your evangelism and, and your trumpeting the need, uh, even if we don't like to talk about ourselves, 
I do I do find you. I, I, I hound you. I'm like, Travis, let's go. Tell people what you're doing. Come on. I do, love it. And I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks so much for the time. Right. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe and join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the Cretech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next week.